بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم الحمد لله continuing with the adab and the book of Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda in which he highlights the Sunnah practices of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with regards to our etiquettes and our mannerisms and the intention behind going through this text is for us to try to imbibe within our lives those uh, attributes and qualities of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which makes uh, life wholesome and meaningful and it gives barakah and happiness in the life of a Muslim because happiness is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates in the life of a person and it is unrelated to what we possess of this world. It is possible that uh, a person is, or two people are poor, and they possess nothing of this world, but Allah gives them happiness. And it is also possible for somebody to be um, blessed with wealth, but constantly they are fighting and arguing, uh, and happiness is snatched from them. So we continue, inshallah, from page 30, in which we were discussing uh, the etiquette of controlling one's eyes when visiting somebody. On page 30, we have uh, the incident of Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reports that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, once the gaze enters the home, there remains no use for permission thereafter. It means that it says if the person has um, intruded and entered the house without permission, if he stares or glances or she stares or glances into the house uh, without permission. Sayyidina Ammar Ibn Sa'id At-Tujibi rahimahullah stated that Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu said whoever fills his eyes with the sight of the interior of a house before being permitted is a wrongdoer which means that this is also regarded as a sin in sharia so therefore when visiting somebody we should maintain these etiquettes and adab staying on one side of the door without peeping through the window or the keyhole Sayyidina Sahl ibn Sa'ad radiallahu anhu said that a man peeped through a hole into the room of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam while he was scratching his head with a small comb. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw the intruder, he told him, had I known you were looking, I would have poked your eye with this. In other words, with the comb which he had, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in his hand. And he said, seeking permission was actually prescribed to prevent intrusion. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being the most merciful of all the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent as a mercy yet he expressed his dissatisfaction and his disappointment with this individual who peeped through um, through the, the, the hole into the room of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that I would have poked your eye with this and this is why the jurists say that even if uh, a person has to poke the eye of, of a, a, a true intruder who is pe peeping through the window, then uh, justifiably in, in a court of law, in Sharia, there would be no retribution for that uh, type of retaliation to a person who has basically invaded the home without permission. Continuing on page 32, amongst the adab and the etiquettes and the sunnah, etiquettes within the home, removing your shoes. When entering the house of your host, or even your own home, be gentle in the manner of entering or leaving. This was discussed as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا كَانَ الرِّفْقُ فِي شَيْءٍ إِلَّا زَانَهُ 
and that politeness and gentleness is not found in anything or any person except that it beautifies them. And if it is snatched away from a person, then that person has uh, been deprived of goodness and it spoils the image of that person. He says, lower your eyes and your voice. You should take off your shoes at an appropriate spot and set them in orderly fashion. So having some tartib and some order is also part of the etiquette of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that our shoes, and we teach our children to do the same, that they place their shoes in an orderly fashion. May Allah give us all tawfiq to uh, practice on this uh, sunan as well. Do not forget the etiquette of wearing and removing shoes. Put on the right shoe first and remove the left one first. So when wearing the shoe, you wear the right shoe. And when removing the shoe, remove the, the left. So when we are coming into the masjid also, so when we remove the, the, the shoes, we remove the left shoe and then the right shoe. And when wearing it, we wear the right shoe first. And all these have its benefits. As Rasulullah sallallahu taught us, that when we enter into the masjid, then we enter with our right foot. And when we exit, we exit with the left foot. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when you put on your shoes, begin with the right, and when removing them, begin with the left, so that the right shoe be the first to be put on and the last to be taken off. This is one of the uh, important and, and the beautiful characteristics of our deen, that we are taught to, uh, to give a little bit more importance and respect and revere the right hand side um, a, a little more in, in giving preference to it, because... Um, it is the hand with which we do good things, we shake hands with it, we eat with it. And the left hand is also a creation of Allah, it is a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But generally, the tasks which we do not willingly do uh, with our right hand, is we use the left hand is used for istinja, if you need to pick up something which is impure or dirty, then generally the, the nature of a person is to try to use the left hand. And therefore, even the right uh, the right foot will be given preference as we step into uh, towards places of worship or obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is some significance in giving preference to the right hand side. In fact, even informing the saf in the, in the masjid, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has informed us that of the virtue of standing on the right hand side of the imam. But this, however, doesn't mean that everybody should now rush to the one side which will cause an imbalance in the rows of the, of the, of the salah, then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa advised that when you form the saf, then wasitul imam, allow the imam to be in the middle. So if the imam is standing, there would be somebody behind him, and an, another latecomer joins, he would stand on the right-hand side, and then thereafter another person comes, he would now go on the left-hand side to ensure that the imam remains in the middle. That person who is doing that, he would get the full reward of being in the saf, and he won't be deprived of anything because of not going to the right-hand side because what he is doing is trying to, trying to maintain the, the, the balance in the saf, which is an instruction of Rasulullah So the right-hand side is given preference, uh, but sometimes there would be exceptions to that rule. Before entering your house or that of your brothers or sisters, inspect your shoes. If they are dirty, remove the dirt or wipe the shoes against the ground. This is also an etiquette of Rasulullah that if we know perhaps it's muddy outside and we're entering into somebody's house, then we shouldn't uh, take it for granted that, well, they know it's raining and they know it's muddy outside. So if their floors get dirty, they should just expect it to be getting dirty. Um, 
we are told that do whatever we can to display this etiquette that we respect your home and we would try whatever we can to ensure that the shoes are clean before entering, entering the home, even if it means wiping it on the ground outside. Islam is a deen and a religion of cleanliness and courtesy. So we show courtesy, and this is not only to, to Muslims, to non-Muslims as well. This is the general practice of, of courtesy and uh, consideration for others. If we apply this rule to, to the, our day-to-day -day chores and, and activities, then it removes half the stress that we do go through when a person drives, and you need to show a bit of consideration for the person in front of you. There will be no need to hoot. There wouldn't be a need to show any gestures or signs or to scream or to... Um, uh, behave inappropriately so consideration for others is something and if somebody does not take into consideration our uh, our rights or perhaps our etiquettes and adab then we should pardon and overlook and forgive them the next uh, etiquette on page 33 choosing a seat when you're visiting somebody do not argue with your host regarding the place where he wants you to sit but rather where he asks you to sit so sometimes uh, we go somewhere and, and somebody says, no, please sit here. They say, Maulana, sit here. No, Maulana says, no, no, it's okay, you sit here. And then another person comes and says, no, you sit here. And half the time gets wasted in trying to tell people where to sit. So wherever the host requests you to sit, it will be more appropriate to sit in that particular position, especially in the case of men, that if men are visiting uh, somebody and, and the host asks you to sit in a particular seat, then sit in that place because he knows why he's asking you. Perhaps the other seats... Uh, are too close to the, the, the area where the ladies are busy preparing the meal or the house is designed in such a way that it's difficult for them to move if you're going to be sitting in that place uh, and, and looking in that direction. So when the host asks a guest to sit in a particular seat, then he should respond positively and uh, sit where he has been requested to sit. If you sit where you want to, you may accidentally look into a private area of the house or may cause inconvenience to the house inmates, to the people of the house, which is uh, obviously inconsiderate and against the etiquette of, of Sharia. Therefore, it is important to adhere to the, to the suggestion of your host and accept uh, his cordial treatment towards you. So when he's asking you, sometimes, um, unfortunately, we, we do have a tendency. One is there's a lack of considering etiquette, and then sometimes people go overboard in trying to exaggerate how they want to implement the etiquette. So the person is asking you to sit, and we say, no, no, it's okay. Um, there's a famous, you know, there's a joke that the, some scholars say that these two um, uh, Maulanas needed to go to the toilet, you know, by the istima. So now there's only a certain amount, so they're both waiting. And uh, somebody comes out, and there's one vacant. So the one Maulana tells the other one, Maulana, you go, it's okay. Then the other Maulana says, no, 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 it's okay, you go. And both of them need to go. But now they're wasting time saying, you go, you go, you go. So then eventually the one said, Mana, you rather go because I'm finished already. So he couldn't manage to, <laughs> to hold this. <laughs> so it's important that, yes, there is etiquette, but you don't go overboard in trying to exaggerate the type of etiquette we want to display. Each consideration should be taken, and it should be within reason. Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, has recorded in Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya, which is a voluminous book, on uh, the aspects of Islam from the beginning uh, till the end of time. He said, uh, when the honored companion Sayyidina Adi bin Hatim al-Ta'i. Adi bin Hatim, uh, Hatim al-Ta'i was a very, very generous person amongst the Arabs before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His son became Muslim. His son's name was Adi. 
ADI, Adi. He was a, a well-known Sahabi, and he reverted and he embraced Islam, and he came to see Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In fact, as Hatim al-Ta'i, he, his name was synonymous with generosity amongst the Arabs. So after he passed away, if you wanted to say somebody is generous, they would say that he is as generous as Hatim al-Ta'i because he's always feeding people and he was somebody that spent on others. And this is a good quality which Rasulullah appreciated and valued. And this is why Nabi entertained his son and gave him the importance and the respect that his family uh, demanded actually because of the well-known uh, status of Hatim al-Ta'i. So the son Adi bin Hatim, he embraced Islam and he came to see Rasulullah in Medina Munawwara. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam honored him by seating him on a cushion while he himself sat on the floor. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he's sitting on the floor and he puts a cushion for a guest and this is what is, uh, we are taught also to entertain. When we, are, when we are entertaining somebody, then making them comfortable, giving them the food that they like. These are also the etiquettes of, of Islam. Uh, when we say we shouldn't be extravagant, that's for ourselves. For myself, I should not waste and be extravagant on myself. But if there's a guest, then there's no, there's no harm in, in, in going out of your way to make them comfortable uh, because that is what we are taught by Rasulullah sallallahu as well as the Anbiya alayhim salatu wassalam. So Sayyiduna Adi bin Hatim says, then Rasulullah sallallahu took me along and upon reaching his house, he took a leather cushion filled with palm fiber and threw it on the floor. Sit on this, he said. No, you sit on it, I answered. So Adi bin Hatim said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, no, 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 I, you know, I, I won't sit on it, you the Nabi of Allah, you sit on it. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam insisted and he said, no, you will sit. So I sat on it while Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sat on the floor. So sometimes uh, it is also amongst part of etiquette that we listen to what the, 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 the senior is uh, advising or saying. And this is part of how we should uh, respond to the host who has invited us. On page 34, we continue. Once Sayyiduna Kharija ibn Zayd. Kharija ibn Zayd is one of the jurists of Medina Munawwara. He is the son of Zayd bin Thabit, the famous scholar who was the scribe of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who used to be entrusted with the responsibility of writing, writing wahi as it was revealed. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told Zayd, and Zayd's son was Kharija. He was one of the jurists of Medina, the fuqaha of Medina. So Sayyidina Kharija bin Zayd visited Ibn Sirin, rahimahullah. Ibn Sirin is the famous scholar of Medina in the time, in the second century, who was known for his excellent ability to interpret dreams. People would see dreams, and when the scholars would become perplexed with what the meaning of the dream would be, they would go to Ibn Sirin, and he would give them the explanation to, to the dream. And this is something which happens in our lives as well. Uh, when you see a dream, the ulama say that you should be cautious with who you relate the dream to. You should tell your dream either to one of two people, a habib or labib. These are two words. Habib means a beloved person, a close friend, or an intelligent person, a person who understands the meaning of dreams. So generally the ulama who are well-versed with hadith and the commentary of Quran they are exposed and they have a good understanding of the, the meaning of dreams. So it's important that if somebody sees a dream, don't automatically assume that it's a good dream or a bad dream uh, because sometimes what we think is a bad dream, in fact, could be uh, a good dream. 
The, the world of dreams is another realm altogether, unlike the world in which we live. Uh, we live in this world, so something has a particular form in this world. But if you see that same thing in the dream, it's got another meaning. Like in, in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu he saw one of the Sahaba saw uh, himself drinking milk. Okay, so we assume milk to be a particular thing. It's something that we do use. But in, in a dream, it doesn't mean uh, anything to do with drinking milk. It refers to the knowledge of deen. It refers to the knowledge of deen. And um, this is why it's so important. Because imagine if you see a dream, it has a good meaning, but you tell a foolish person, and he gives the wrong interpretation, and it just upsets your mood. So, a habib, a person who is dear, or a labib, a person who's got some intellect and understanding, would then give a good meaning to uh, what we see. In fact, it is a sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu After Fajr, he used to ask the Sahaba, did anybody see a good dream? Did anybody see a dream? And they would uh, relate their dreams uh, to him. There are various types of dreams. Some dreams depends on the time of the day which, in which it is seen. Also, it, it depends on um, some type of dreams are directly uh, bishara and glad tidings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes certain dreams are from shaitan just to upset a person. So you see something that upsets you and it just to, to make your day miserable, then we should turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, uh, for protection. If you see a bad dream and you wake up in a shock at night, then the, the sunnah and the etiquette at that time would be that you, you read A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem and then just blow gently on your left hand side as if you are uh, uh, blowing with, without spitting, just in that way on your left hand side after reciting A'udhu, seeking protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and don't relate the dream to anyone. And uh, in a hadith Rasulullah sallallahu says, أَصْدَقُ الرُّؤْيَا بِالْأَسْحَارِ The most truthful and accurate dreams are the ones that are seen and that at the time of suhoor, in other words, before fajr. Um, so if, uh, if we see a dream, then uh, it's not always wise to tell it to anyone. And if you fear that there's some harm, you seek protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the best dream would be the dream that may Allah make us all honored with, that is to see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a dream. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man ra'ani fil manami, faqad ra'ani haqqa. That person who sees me in a dream has most certainly seen me in reality because shaitan cannot take my form. Shaitan cannot come in the form of, of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Many people, they, they go astray when they see a dream. Somebody comes to them in a dream and says, I'm your old uncle and you know, and uh, you, were for, you were Muslim and I, I didn't become Muslim and I left. So those type of things, and the man sees a dream and he becomes affected. So that is shaitan sometimes coming in the form of a deceased relative to try to make a person upset and sad. You know, they feel sad. So we should make dua that Allah gives us the ability to see Rasulullah sallallahu but to see him in a state that he is pleased with us because that would also be a very great disappointment that a person wants to see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not pleased with him. May Allah give us tawfiq. Uh, the ulama say a person who sees Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a dream, it's a glad tiding from Allah that insha'Allah he will die with iman. Uh, because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that person who sees me in a dream, he will see me one day while he's awake. In other words, on the day of Qiyamah, he'll be able to see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when you see somebody in a dream, in, in fact, your ruh, your, 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 your ruh and your soul, your spirit 
has come into contact with the ruh of that person. Okay? So imagine you see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It means that Allah honored you, your ruh with the ability to come into, to come close to the ruh of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And just on this sometimes, people see a dream of uh, somebody who has passed away. Right? And uh, uh, they say, I, I saw, or oh, they see a dream of somebody, uh, somebody who's alive and that person is passing away. So they become uh, very worried. The wife sees that the husband is passing away, or the wife sees that, or the husband sees that he's, the wife, the husband sees his wife is passing away, and the wife sees that the husband is passing For example, so now they're both worried that, hey, they're going to die now, what's going to happen? And whereas in reality, it's got nothing to do with them living or dying. Uh, if you see a living person uh, dying in a dream, it actually means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving them tawfiq to spiritually do that which is good for them in the akhirah. Because when a person dies, they enter a world in which there's no lies. They enter a world in which there's only truth. The reality is there. A person can't lie in his qabr, he can't lie on the day of qiyamah. So when you see a person dying, it's actually that person moving into a state of, of ruhaniyah and spirituality which is beneficial for him in akhirah. If the wife sees the husband dying, it means that Allah will give him tawfiq to do something good in deen. And the same way, if he sees his wife dying, you know, he doesn't have to cry or become sad. It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless his wife with something good with regards to matters of deen. And if you see a person who has passed away already, they've passed away, then it, that doesn't mean they're calling you. I know there's just something that people have. They say if they see somebody who passed away, they say that maybe they're calling us. They're coming to call us. So if the deceased person says something, then generally what they say is true, as long as it doesn't con contravene anything of sharia, as long as it doesn't go against any of the ahkam of sharia. So if they, if they say, make dua for me or do this, or, then we should do that, because like I said, they have entered a world in which there is no lies. So whatever they're saying would most probably be true. But if it goes against sharia, then we know it's possibly shaitan who is taking the form of a deceased person trying to deceive us. That's how we know how to balance and ensure that we don't get tricked by uh, a dream that we that we see and the last point is I'm totally unrelated off the topic actually but um, um, we shouldn't also live in a dream world every dream you see you don't need to now find out what it means sometimes maybe you ate too much before you slept and there's a buildup of gas and so now the brain over, over, uh, responds to it and you start seeing things uh, it's not necessary that every dream needs an interpretation okay so Ibn Sirin, this, this whole thing just came up with the name of Ibn Sirin. Uh, Kharija Ibn Zayd visited Ibn Sirin, rahimahullah. He said, he found Ibn Sirin sitting on a cushion on the floor, and he, that is Kharija, also wanted to sit together with him on the floor, saying, I am content as you are. Imam Ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, replied, in my home, I do not prefer for you what I prefer for myself. In other words, since you deserve to be honored, Sit where you are asked to sit. You are my guest, and I want to, to give you that respect. I am happy to be sitting on the floor. This is my house. But I'm not happy for my guest to be sitting on the floor with me. So even if the host is sitting on the floor and he's asking you to sit on the chair, then you may do so because out of showing respect for the person that, in, in whose house you are sitting. Um, another very important sunnah, which is uh, in the next uh, sentence, don't sit on the host's seat unless he asks you to. And Rasulullah clearly said this in a hadith, no guest should lead the host in salah while in the home of the host. So if you go to somebody's house and it's time for salah, 
then the first person who's got the duty and the, the haq of leading the salah is sahibul bayt, the person who is the owner of the house. Yes, if, uh, if he feels that the, the, the person who is visiting him is a, is a guest, he's a scholar, he's more learned than himself, then he would request and ask the guest to lead the salah. That would be in conformance with the sunnah. Uh, so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said that when there's a guest, the guest shouldn't lead the salah in the house while the, the sahibul bayt, the owner of the house, is present without his permission. Neither should he sit without consent. So sit where he asks you to sit at the designated seat of the host. And further on, when you enter the home of your brother or your friend or your sister or relative, whoever you may be, whether as a visitor or overnight guest, do not closely examine the, the contents as an inspector would. This is something, a sickness which some people do have. When they enter into somebody's house, even if they use the bathroom, then they want to open the cabinets and they want to check in the bathroom and they want to see where the air freshener is and where the toilet paper is kept and where... And this is totally against the etiquette. This is a very, very low habit which people sometimes have. When a person has allowed you the courtesy of entering into his house, then we need to display the courtesy of showing respect to his private things. Uh, if they wanted you to know where they kept everything, they would have told you beforehand, okay, this is where we keep everything. So to examine the house as if we came to inspect the house is against the sunnah. Limit your gaze during your stay to what you need to see. Don't open closets or boxes. Now there's a box somewhere, so we start fidgeting and we start opening things. Do not inspect a wallet, a package, or a covered object. If something is covered, then it is totally unacceptable. This is against Islamic manners and an impolite betrayal of the trust your host has accorded to you. So this is an amana, uh, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed us to ensure that the amana and the trust that has been given to us should be respected. So by allowing you to enter his home and reside there, and he has afforded you the opportunity to, to benefit from what is in his house, but it doesn't mean that we should go around um, visiting and uh, prying into the private uh, boxes and objects of the, of the host. Be polite, uh, for this would cultivate love and respect for you in the heart of your host. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and take care of you. So when you're visiting somebody, then also it is important that you take into consideration um, all these things, you know, the, the comfort of the person in whose house you are staying. In fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa conclude with this. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he migrated to Medina Munawwara he, he blessed Sayyidina Abu Ayyub Ansari radiallahu anhu with staying in his house until his own uh, residence was prepared and uh, many of the Sahaba wanted him to stay in their houses and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told them no leave Qaswa Qaswa is the camel of Rasulullah he said leave her فَإِنَّهَا مَأْمُورَة she has been instructed by Allah where to sit and this she-camel sat down in front of the house of Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anh. And as soon as the camel sat, Abu Ayyub grabbed the bag of Rasulullah and he ran into his house. He said, the camel sat here by my house, so I'm taking the goods into my house. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he had a, a, a double story, which means it's permissible to have a double story also. You know, If a person makes that niyyah of a sunnah of the, in the time of the Sahaba, there's no harm if you're having a double story. He said, Abu Ayyub had a two-story house. So uh, he told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that um, uh, he, he gave him the option of where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wanted to stay. So he wanted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to stay on top. 
and he would stay at the bottom out of respect for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, I'm comfortable at the bottom. It will be easier for people coming and going to visit that they just meet me at the bottom. So that night, in fact, Sayyidina Abu Ayyub and his wife Ummu Ayyub, uh, they used to prepare food for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And then, how many? How much minutes were left? Two. Okay. So they would send the food to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then when he would, he wouldn't eat all the food. This is another etiquette and uh, manner of Rasulullah. And then he would send the food back, whatever was left, and they would look for the places where his blessed fingers were, the lines of his fingers in the food, and they would put their hands on that same lines out of love for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi that we get the barakah and the blessings from the place that he ate. So that, that night, it was winter and it was very cold, and Abu Ayyub was, was uh, uh, on top, on the upper level, and he dropped a jug of water. And those days, obviously, the floors were made of date palm and it had mud. So the water started seeping through. So in order for the water not to reach Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he rolled into the water so that his clothes can become wet and absorb all the water. So he wet all his clothing, he rolled into the water. And he told his wife, let us stay on one side of the room so that the dust particles of us moving doesn't fall on the body of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is how the next day when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam asked him, Abu Ayyub, how, how was your night? He didn't say, oh, Nabi of Allah, it was so nice. And he, he spoke the truth. He said, no, we couldn't sleep. Oh, Nabi of Allah, we couldn't sleep. Why couldn't you sleep? He said, he explained the whole uh, difficulty that he went through. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told him, okay, rather let me go to the, to the top and meet the, the people who would come meet Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi in that way. So may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us true love for this etiquette and adab and manners of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi This is what makes us beautiful and what beautifies and makes our life valuable in this dunya. And this is also part of our deen, so it's a preparation for the akhirah also. Wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.